When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome to the Cow Corner podcast with me, the Dolly Dropper, James Hurl, Mr. Birmingham League Ton, Andy Harrison, the loyal one, Joss Elliott, and the king of the transfers, Jamie Martindale. For your latest dose, of all things Shropshire Cricket. And welcome back to episode 28 of the Cow Corner podcast. And tonight is a special podcast as we celebrate our second birthday and we look towards what's to come in 2021. As always, I'm joined by the A-team, the king of the transfers, Jamie Martindale, the man with the Birmingham League ton, Andy Harrison, and the OG, the man himself, Mr. Loyal, Joss Elliott. Yay! At last! Hey, new name. New, <laughs> new name. Um, once again, everything has changed, unfortunately, and we are back on Zoom. Um, the, well, the first thing is, how are we all doing, guys? Uh, but most importantly, two years, Joss. Can you believe it's been that long? Yeah, incredible, isn't it? Um, when I look back on when we first started, it was just the two of us doing a, basically focusing mostly on Albury. Come a long way since then, various different recording surroundings unfortunately now we're down limited to zoom but um i've loved uh last summer having sessions on the balcony in the sunshine beautiful yeah it's been uh, it's been a blast and uh andy and jamie you've been as important on this journey as uh well anyone else really guys and uh well you joined well pretty soon after we started how how about you guys yeah it's been very fast, two years. I'm, I'm surprised it's been two years already, but it's, uh, yeah, it's been great fun and, yeah, appreciate you having me on. Yeah, same with me. I think, I think we've had some really, really good times, haven't we? Like Joss, Joss mentioned, particularly on his balcony. You know, pre-COVID, we had some good cricket games on his balcony as well, just overlooking the river. If it, to be fair, Jamie, if, if people didn't already know, we do get highly intoxicated in these <laughs> sessions. So, uh, you know, we, unfortunately, when we're all at home, I can't... Who's got alcohol? Yeah, I think, Joss, are you on the beer? Are you... Whiskey uh, for James. I think me and you are probably on squash, Jamie, aren't we? Yeah, well, I'm working yeah. this morning. This is my second oh, this week. I had my first one five minutes ago. 
No, it's, I'm dry That's... January, unfortunately. But Ooh. No, we're key workers, Andy. Key workers, aren't we? <laughs> That's key it. Workers. We're still working. She genuinely That's am. It. Yeah, so again, like Andy said, you know, thanks for having me. Um, it's been fantastic. We've had some really good memories. Um, and here's to, hopefully, a half-decent season this season. You know, we're not sure what we're going to get, and I'm sure we'll touch on that later, but hopefully we can have some half-decent half memories again this time. Yeah, it's, it's been an interesting one because, well, last podcast, I think we realised where everything was going towards. But I mean, podcasts before that, I think we were kind of hopeful that we'd have a much smoother running. But, you know, things change and this, as does this virus. And here we are back on Zoom, but we're still going. That's the main thing. And uh, for me, yeah, it's incredible that we've done two years and from my perspective, it's amazing that we still get people listening, to be honest. And like Joss said, something that started out as just an Old Bree podcast, we found out after two episodes that more people listen to it from other clubs than Old Bree. So uh, a swift change was made. And uh, now, now here we are doing a, a Shropshire podcast and a Birmingham League podcast. And we've also got other podcasts in the pipeline, which we'll mention later on. But I mean, Ooh. the main thing is as well is I want to thank all the listeners and you people who are listening for getting involved and, you know, supporting and following and, you know, listening every week and giving us ideas, giving us advice and giving us tips and sometimes telling us we're but that's totally fine. <laughs> so as well as recapping some of our favorite moments, here's what's to come on this episode of the Cow Corner podcast. On episode 28 of the Cow Corner podcast, we recap our favourite moments from the last two years of podcasting. We recap all the latest league news. The Harrison Hierarchy returns as we pick the top 10 teams in the top four divisions. We answer your questions, transfer rumours, and Joss gives us his Club Hoppers 11. All this and much, much more on another bumper episode of the Cow Corner podcast. So before we get into the league news, I thought it, with it being our two-year anniversary, I thought we could look back at our favourite moments in the last two years, pick out some moments. And afterwards, we were going to pick out where we were right and where we were wrong, but I think it could be a bit embarrassing for us. We're going to stick with our favourite moments of our two years doing this podcast. I know this one's going to be hard, but I'm going to ask the guys because the majority of my favourite moments, I don't know about you lads, but have been the moments that aren't actually recorded or even don't make it to air. But out of all the things that have made it to air, what have been your favourite moments in the last two years? And we'll start with Jamie. Um, I think for me... Um... I mean, often when we're around Josses, we have a really, really good night, a few beers, pizza. Um, but when we did the quiz, I don't think Andy, was, Andy wasn't there last, uh, that night, unfortunately. But when it was me, VU, James, and Joss was the quiz host. <laughs> and we were doing shots, weren't we, for, um, for who got the questions wrong. That was... Uh, Memorable. That was, yeah, messy. And I think that was probably you at your worst as well, Joss, on the podcast in terms of slurring. Or some <laughs> would say you're better. Couldn't speak by the end of it. <laughs> Um, but that was that was a good night. I enjoyed that. That's one of my favourites. That was an exceptional. But I just moment. think, but I just think, you know, the four of us, we've we've created like a good bond, a good camaraderie between us. Um, we were all sort of mates before we did this podcast, but I do think it's grown, and it's um, it's 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 always a good get together, isn't it? When we are able to get together rather than rather than be on Zoom. 
Um, but the quiz, I enjoyed the quiz. I thought that was decent. There was another quiz, wasn't there, that Andy hosted, but that, that didn't make the cut on any podcasts. Because um, <laughs> it was but, uh, an hour and a half long. Um, <laughs> well, that's yeah. only half the podcasts before me and Andy took uh, <laughs> Okay, Joss, how about yourself? Um, okay, before I tell you what mine are, since I'll tell you your anniversary, have you baked a cake? I haven't, sorry. <laughs> have you got any music? Um, to my favourite moments, um, I would agree with Jamie if I could remember that session. Sure it was <laughs> but um, for me, it's probably not something you'll be able to dig out. It was um, when Andy broke the chair. The sheer force <laughs> of the broke one of my chairs, which I thought was hilarious. <laughs> but also, again, what James said, well, just, just getting together with you guys once a month, whatever. I really look forward to it. We have a great time every time. And I'm just so honoured, if you like, that so many people listen to us. I, I mean, I'm amazed by it. It's mm. great. So thank you, everyone, for listening in. I don't um, understand what... <laughs> <laughs> Andy, how about yourself? Yeah. Well, I've, I've had a little think about, you know, my favourite moments, but I do quite like it when someone starts chatting shite. Um as Anthony Joshua would say, chat shit, get bang. Um, and it was Jamie Martindale's moment where he had a little rant about Ryan Lockley in two years' time is going to be playing for Beacon. And I just couldn't believe what I was hearing. I mean, the lad's playing in the Birmingham League, he's playing for Shropshire, and in two years' time, he's going to play for bloody Beacon. You know, and the best bit is, Jamie has currently left Beacon. He just, oh, <laughs> honestly, howling. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, it's not one of my finest comments. And in hindsight, I mean, yeah, I'm obviously way off the mark, but I, yeah. I am convinced yeah, that. They want, in your defence, Jamie, he does play for Beacon. Well, he does, but I did, I did clarify and say Saturdays, didn't I? But um, yeah, I don't think they got the yeah. five hundred pound a game they have to pay. No, 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 no. Plus, <laughs> okay. So moving on to the league news. So moving on to the league. In the coming months, the league are going to be sorting out the 2021 divisions, the structure and fixtures. Team entries obviously had to be in today. We are hearing from a couple of close sources that there are going to be a couple of casualties lower down the leagues. No one else anywhere else. One of the hardest things that's going to be happening with the league, I hear, is the potential with Division 7 and 8 and what's going to be happening there. And also, I think the idea of regionalization with everything that's going on. So, guys, the main thing I would ask you is, how do you think everything's going to pan out? Do we think that we're going to be in a position where we were last season, where the season starts late and we end up regionalized? Or do you think that we'll start on time? What's everyone's general thoughts? Uh, well, for me, James, I, I just don't think the region, regionalization of the, the league can be can be done really this time. Um, I'm hoping they can possibly uh, get the league played uh, back back to normal. Obviously, it won't be back to normal because because um, of COVID, and we all understand that, and we all understand what we've got to do. Um, and I'd like to think that everyone around the county um, did what they had to do to to play cricket. Um, but I, I mean, he had to miss a few games of the season because to say we're going to start on time. Um, it's it's difficult. I don't know how they're going to do it, but I mean, I'd like to think we can get sort of back to normality, ups and downs, promotions, relegations. Because I, I mean, 
me personally, I, I didn't find last season really that interesting. But uh, uh, I don't know what you guys think. Joss? Well, for me, I mean, I agree, and it's not ideal. But if it's a choice of no cricket or regionalised cricket, I go to regionalised cricket every day of the week because... I was delighted to end up playing cricket last year. I've said it many times on this podcast because, you know, in March, I did, March, April, I didn't think we'd be doing anything. So every game is a bonus for me. I think the league are going to try and go back to inverted commas normal, but I think they'll struggle, if I'm honest with you. I don't think if you're going to go down that route, we're going to get a full 20 games in, 22 games in. Um, it be interesting to see. I, I hope it's possible. Um, if they have to go down the regionalised route again, I'll support it. I'll, I'll love it because I'm playing cricket. I agree with you there, Joss, though, about the cricket part. If it does come down to it, I would play, obviously. Um, so, yeah, I, I do see your point there, definitely. Jay? I, I think it's extremely unlikely that we're going to start on time. I really can't see that. I mean, end of, eight, uh, end of April, what are we looking at? Three months. I find that really hard to believe that we're going to start on time. So, I think it'll be similar to last season. You know, again, I, I don't know whether it'll be regionalised. I'm not sure if they're going to be keen on, on doing that. But you look at it right now and, you know, ultimately we're told to stay at home, make no unnecessary journeys. So I think it could be similar, but I certainly don't see us starting on time. I, I, I think it'll be similar. Yeah, I think, I think one of the main things, obviously, at the moment is the situation that we find ourselves in. Like we said earlier, we thought that maybe things were on the up, but obviously... We've seen a, an increase and it's no surprise that two weeks after Christmas and just before New Year's Eve, when everyone thought that they were going to get carte blanche to do whatever they want, you know, cases have gone up again. Um, and, and the thing is, I mean, there's, there's, there's very few people in the cricketing fraternity are going to be vaccinated probably this year, certainly not this summer. So the same rules should really apply in yeah. terms of social distancing. So we're still going to have a lot of restrictions. I think if I, 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 I did this. Sorry. I don't think that's a debate, Joss. I think the, the restrictions that we had last season, you know, where you can't shine a ball with saliva, um, the social distancing, I think that is here to stay. Umpires not being able to hold your cap and things. I think that's here to stay for the foreseeable. I think it's just a case of whether we're going to get out on the park or not. I really do. Yeah, and I think I'm hope I am hope I'm eternally hopeful that obviously we get this vaccine and maybe it becomes something that just is a yearly booster thing that everyone kind of gets and ties us over and we can carry on as we are. But again, we're we're very much in the dark, and I think a lot of it is down to what happens in this next month or so with all these new restrictions. I mean, Boris today has unveiled that no flights are coming in unless you've got a negative test and things like this um which i think is obviously going to be good which will help cut down the amount of virus coming in from elsewhere you would assume and you know with people locking themselves down the numbers hopefully will come down especially with people getting vaccinated now moving away from that i think i think the league as we've said are very reluctant to go reasonalization i think they are more likely to go down the line of pushing the season further back and just trying to get a league season in where we can. And maybe even if it's half a season, just do the divisions as they are and kind of do what they did in the lower division where they did a Scottish league kind of thing where you all play each other once and then the 
top half play the top half, the bottom half play the bottom half is in. So you still get that promotion relegation and people get encouraged to play. Because I think if you have another season of regionalization, however good it is and however so many people will be like, I'm just happy to play cricket, the effects of playing another season regionalized. I know some people love it. Some people don't. And you don't want to be losing people to that kind of thing, do you? Especially at this stage, do you, Andy? Yeah, totally agree, Hill. Um, again, for, for me, you know, last season was just just really like friendly cricket. Um, but, you know, I, I completely understand where, where Joss came from before in, in saying any cricket is, is, you know, good, you know, good cricket. I want to play cricket every year. You know, I don't want to miss a year. Um, not getting any younger. Uh, but I agree with you, and I, I do actually think that that uh, what you suggested actually, you know, could could work as well. I think you know you've got to try and even even being careful with people like myself, just like competitive cricket, and it, it, it's something I think they need to sort out. But you know, I, I feel for them. I, I wouldn't want to be the person that has to sort this out. I really wouldn't. I think the hardest thing for the Shropshire League as well is that you've got people you've got two countries involved. You've got Wales and England, which is possibly the hardest thing. What are your thoughts, Jay? Yeah, so like, like Andy said, you know, I, I don't envy the league um, because ultimately I don't think you can actually plan um, the format until you know a date which we're going to start at. And, and quite frankly, we're not going to have a start date until possibly even a, a week or two before that actual date, you know, because, because obviously the, the, the advice, the rules change. Um, I don't think you can actually predict how the format of the league will play out if we don't start on time, because we're not, we're not sure how long we may or may not have. I mean, it sounds a bit complicated, but I do think it's impossible to predict and they'll only get potentially a week's notice mm. because the government, sport, you know, uh, I, I don't envy them at all. I think it's, I think it's a hell of a task. I really do. I think the one thing that we've got this year is obviously we've been through what we went through last year. So there are procedures in place, there's structure in place, and people have got an idea of what could be a backup. And that's only a good thing. Like I said, I think the biggest thing that this league have is what they're going to do with Division 7 and 8, especially if there's going to be dropouts, whether they're going to merge it into one big league and have one big Division 7, or whether they have two separate leagues and smaller divisions, which will be something to be said which kind of links into my next point, which goes on to a little bit of cow corner news. So our, our new news is that we're going to be starting two new podcasts. The first one is going to be a podcast called Cow Corner Extra, which starts next month. And that is going to be covering everything from Division 4 and below in depth. So we're going to go into the same detail as we do the Prem, Div 1, everything else with myself and three others. And we're going to be going through every division and we're going to be talking about all these divisions in depth so we are going to do not worry we are still going to talk about division four and below in this podcast but it just means that we're going to go into even more depth so in think of it this way you've got double the podcast to listen to which is a it's either a good thing or a bad thing whichever way you want to take it so that's something else that's coming up new and the other thing is we are going to be starting a cow corner women's podcast which we're going to be bringing out, which is going to be talking about women's cricket in Shropshire. And the final thing is an update on the Cow Corner Golf Day. We are still planning to go ahead with that. But again, depending on what's going on with the virus, depends on how things go on. So 
please stay tuned on the social media to find out what's going on there. Okay, so moving on to the final bits of Shropshire News. There are coaching courses and scoring courses and umpiring courses going on. If you are looking to get into something new over the winter and keep yourself in touch, I did the umpire course two years ago and it was really enjoyable and I will try to get on the scoring course this year and uh, at some point I will do that coaching course so then I can feed back to you and let you know how good they are I'm sure they are fantastic but anyway moving away from that Beacon and Werfield have got new facilities and I think we'll move on to this one with Jamie yeah I mean you know obviously I have left Beacon so I'm not privy to all the information but um, the announcement came out um, in the week um, that they are going to be upgrading some of their facilities um, inside and outside the pavilion, I think, mainly. Um, so I presume that means a lick of paint, things like that. Um, I know there's, they've already got like a new sort of kitchen area, um, but I'm not quite sure what it, what it does involve. Um, but any, any opportunity to enhance facilities at, um, at Division 1, well, any club, um, at any ground, um, is, is most welcome. Um, Werfield, Andy, have you, have you been worth how they're planning on spending? I did see photos actually of what they've been working on, funny enough. So yeah, uh, that'd, be, that'd be very interesting. Their pitch is quite small on the one side, so it'll be very good if they can um, you know, improve the size of their square as well. I would have thought they'd have to drag the square over as well. So. Yes. I think we can maybe bring their um, changing rooms as well upstairs, which um, is massive really. Um, but what I would say is that this grant, I don't think it's got anything to do with the, the, the planning permission for the actual pavilion extension, which I know has been delayed a couple of times, but I do believe that's still very much in the pipeline. Um, so this looks like two separate uh, jobs. If so you know, when are they planning on the, uh, the big um, Pavi rehaul, Jay? Do you know? Well, I think, well, no, I mean, I think that's, that's been planned for the, for the last year, two years. I think they were hoping to start work, well, last year, 2020. Yeah. But obviously, for, for, you know, for obvious reasons, that was put back. I, I'm not sure whether the planning permission needs to be reapplied for. I don't know whether it's expired, but if it does, I don't think that'll be a problem. Um, but so, sooner rather than later, I believe, and I hope, because it'll be fantastic when it's needed. Okay, the final thing of league news is the thing that's been going around is the money going around in Shropshire cricket after clubs around Shropshire have been taking donations and that's been one of the main talking points and that is going to be something you know there are pros and cons we realize that not every club who well we realize that some clubs who've been spending the money didn't take donations at all uh, but some people have been talking about that anyway we are going to be talking about that later on in the podcast so if you are thinking to yourself whoa 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 whoa, whoa where is this in the league news we're going to be talking about it later now having said all that we're now going to move on to the next section and something that's going to be a rolling feature throughout all of our podcasts and throughout the season. You've heard it before. It's back. It's Harrison's Hierarchy. So you know the drill, 
the Harrison's hierarchy is back. Just like last time, we are now going to pick the top 10 teams from each of the top four divisions in Shropshire Cricket League, starting with Division 2 and Joss Elliott. Thanks, Andy. Um, uh, I'll just start off by saying no offence to anyone. It's just how I see Division 2 going next year. So at 10, I've got Fortin. I'm not sure on the fitness of Matt Sayers. I think Chris Sayers isn't playing anymore. I don't know a lot about that. I did used to play against them quite regularly. They were heavily dependent on those two brothers. Very good bowlers. I'm not sure Chris is playing anymore. So I think they, they might... I've got them at 10. Nine, I've got Monty. They finished sixth in 2019, the last competitive league. Did okay in the regional season last year. Came fourth. Um, lost a couple of players, I think, but um, I've got them at nine. At eight, I've got Ellesmere, who were relegated from Div 1 in 2019. I don't know how they'll cope in Div 2. At seven, I've got Oswestry Seconds. Again, I don't know a lot about them. They were they won Division 3 in 2019 quite easily. And I believe their first 11s have been, been recruiting, which might have a knock-on effect on their seconds. Might strengthen them, so I think they, they might do okay. And these big clubs, you never really know. I've got Chelmarsh, um, doubly promoted a couple of years ago. Uh, Connor Glendening, obviously the star of the show. And I think if he's available every game, they'll equip themselves very well in that division. So I've got them at six. Five, I've got Schiffnell thirds. They're mid-table in 2019. But again, a big club and a lot depends on what happens higher up and the, the knock-on effect it has on availability. I think they'll be okay. Fourth, I've got Lillishaw, who... Just missed out on promotion in 2019. They didn't lose a game in the regional uh, season. So they're, they're obviously strong. Um, I think they'll equip themselves very well. Got them at four. Third, I've got Shelton seconds. Because um, Shelton is such a healthy place at the moment. You know, they're, they're recruiting and quite badly in some cases. Dan Walker. <laughs> um, no, that was a joke, Jamie. Um, yeah, recruiting really well. And... Very strong club, got a really good setting, lovely new clubhouse. And um, as they recruit, some of these first-team stalwarts are playing for their seconds and, and acquitting themselves very well. So I think Shelton, exciting times for them. I've got them at third. Second, I've got Sentinel Seconds. I mean, and they are, they're a huge club and they're a very strong club. And they're, they're already recruiting again to replace the ones they've lost. I've played against their seconds many times. They're a bloody strong team. They always give us a good fight. They generally beat us. So I've got to send out a second. And my top of the pops is Kund. Obviously, they're going through a big change at the moment. The return of Joey App is going to make a big difference, I think. Not just a player, but as a captain. And his cricket brain on the pitch is going to make a huge difference to them. They've got Matt Hartson to join them. Uh, Callum Marsh has returned. And I just think Joe will get the best out of everyone in that, in that team. And um, I think, they're to me, they're nailed on favourites to go straight back up. That's my Division 2 roundup for you. And I'll report back next time and tell you how wrong I was. <laughs> and St. George's and Ludlow, I'm sorry I didn't include you. Please prove me wrong. <laughs> right, thank you very much, Joss, for um, a great insight to Division 2. Uh, we're going to move on to Division 1 now and Jamie. Yeah, so tough on this. Um, you know, similar to, to Joss, obviously, we didn't see some of the sides last season with, with it being regionalised. 
Um, but I'll start in 10th place. I think, um, you know, I think it might be a tougher season for Ponsbury, having lost a couple of players. Um, I believe no first-team captain at the moment, um, with Mark Lewis stepping down. And with Owen Morris potentially not as available as not as often available as, as he has been, um, I think it, it could be a bit of a struggle. Uh, so I've got Beacon um, in ninth place. Um, I think they've lost one or two players across the teams. Um, so I think they will need to just stabilise a little bit. You know, similar to perhaps 2019, where I think we finished eighth. Um, I think an overseas is massive um, for Beacon. If they can get an overseas, then, then you know, good quality overseas, which I believe they are trying to do. Um, then, then they can certainly try and finish higher. I've got Worthfield twos in eighth, which is probably a little bit harsh, um, but it looks, a, it looks a tough division, actually, Division One this season. Um, I think they're, they're still learning the division, um, but I think they'll be absolutely fine. I've got Boma Heath in seventh. They've got a good core um, of players there, a good group of mates. Um, you know, we've, we've spoken about Ponsbury in the past, having you know, a group of friends um, playing together, and it can take you a long way. Um, so I think Boma will, will be fine in, in sort of mid-table-ish. Um, I've got Chirk in sixth. Um, again, not a team I've actually seen, unfortunately, because of, of last season. Um, I think they'll be happy to consolidate, but I do think they could potentially mount a challenge. Um, I've got Wellington twos in fifth, which again is probably slightly lower. Um, there are you know, strong sides, some good players, um, some good young players as well. Um, I've got Newtown in fourth. Uh, I think they've got some momentum from last season. I thought they did really, really well last season. I know Joss hyped them up on previous podcasts, although that isn't really saying much, is it, Joss? No offence. Um, but I think they'll do pretty well. I think, they, I think momentum is key. Um, I've got Bridge North seconds in third place. Um, a group of experienced players um, with a bit of youth, established players. Um, you know, I, th- I think these, these, these Birmingham League clubs, they obviously recruit pretty well, don't they, as well? I think that's for them. I've put St. George's in second place. I think they've recruited very well. I think there could be some more as well on their way. They're very ambitious. Um, and that leaves an outright winner, which I'm 99% certain will be Schiffnell's second team. I think the quality player they've got across all their teams, to be honest, um, is very, very good. I think the quality of player speaks for itself. So I think they'll win it. But I've done it in sort of like clusters. You know, I think there's, there's as, I said, as I said, Schiffner will win. I think, you know, St. George's, Bridge North, Newtown, Wellington. I think these guys can can mount a challenge. I think you've got your mid-table teams, your, your Bomers, Warfields, Beacons, and then you've perhaps got, you know, two or three clubs that, that, that may struggle. But, you know, like Josh says, we certainly don't mean any offence and um, we wish we wish all the teams very, very well if we can None get on taken, the park. Jay. None taken. Yeah, brilliant. Anyway, Jamie, that's, uh, that's fantastic. So that rounds up uh, a very jammed one. Uh, we're going to move on now to uh, Mr. James Hill and Division 3. Yeah, so Division 3, really tough division this year. Going into 2021, a lot of teams, all of which I think can be in contention. And like I've said earlier, this is going to be something that's going to be going on in lots of different podcasts. And these lists are going to be changing. And I'm excited to see how they change. Anyway, I start at 10 and I'm going for Harpers. A good, solid team. A team that we played before, finished 8th in 2019. 7th in the regional last year. I think they're a dark horse to do well. In at 9 when second 11 didn't have the best of years last season, but I'm putting that down to availability and the fact that it's regionalization. I think if they get their full team out, 
I think we can see them going up this hierarchy quite quickly, especially if Andy Harrison's available every week. In at eight, Wheaton Aston, newly promoted ah. in Division Four, finished fifth in their regional last year with players like Nathan Whittingham and the standard of play that they've got, even though they're a newly promoted side. Again, I can see them doing well. I'm not sure whether they're promotion candidates, but I can definitely see them doing well in the division. Church Aston, another team who have got a good, solid group of players, finished seventh in 2019, fourth in the regional. You know, don't count them out. They've got some big batsmen, some good bowlers. They're going to be a very tough team to beat in Division 3 this season. In at six, I've gone for Wellington third eleven. A lot like we've said this year, these clubs are going to be recruiting, especially a team like Wellington. Their youngsters are going to be getting older, more experienced. They're going to be getting better. I expect Wellington third eleven to come back this year, especially with their first eleven win in the Prem. Their second eleven doing well. They're, I think they're going to do well in Div 1. I think the third 11 are going to follow Sue. I wouldn't be surprised if they're in the mix towards the end of the season. Now, in at fifth, a team who got relegated from Division 2 in 2019, finished sixth in their regional, Roxeter. Now, Roxeter, we are hearing that they have recruited quite a lot of players. I can see them being an outsider for the championship this season. I can see them going up. Until we see them start, though, I think we'll keep them in at five. In at four... Willie, fourth in 2019, third in their regional, big side. I can see them contending. In at three, Welshpool. Never count out Welshpool, former Division One side, relegated from Division Two in 2019. Both teams did very well in their regionals last season. I can see them contending. Very good side. In at two, Newport second 11. Finished sixth in 2019 but finished first in the Div 3 regional last season I can expect them to do very well especially if their first team recruits which we hear they are going to be doing in at one only one team a former division one side relegated from division two finished second in their regional my pick is going to be all Brighton at the moment I think that they're going to be strong moving into next season again these things are going to be changing and that's the end of the Division 3. And now we move on to the man himself, Andy Harrison, to do the Premier Division. All right, thank you very much for that, James. On to my section. It's the uh, Premier Division. So, um, obviously, I don't mean to offend any teams here, like the other lads have said. Um, I'll start with number 10 and a club that got promoted back in 2019. Uh, and proved, you know, they're a good side this season at Shelton Cricket Club. Podcast, I think they're a couple of batsmen short of being a, a really good side and have signed Dan Walker and Jamie Martindale. Um, so, you know, they've taken a step towards it, but I still think they're a couple of batsmen short, depending on if Keith Tate and Matt Morris play a bit in the first this year. And um, with Sam Griffiths expecting a child, it could be a, you know, a tough season, but I'll, I'll put them in 10th place. Uh, number nine, I've gone for Allscott Heath. They've signed well with an overseas morning and Tom Matthews going there. Um, but they've lost Luke Formson, which is a big, big loss. Um, they just need, they're a club that really need to try and solidify their place in the Prem. They've been up and down for a, a long, long time. Uh, but I really think they're working hard towards it and they've got a never die attitude, which I think will hold them in good stead. Uh, number eight, I've gone for Newport because 
I haven't really heard a lot about Newport and I, I think they've lost a lot of players in the last few years and I think they're going through a bit of a rebuild. Um, they're always a tough match and I, I really think they'll make me good because I think they'll probably be higher than that. But um, it's a strong league and I picked them in a rate. Uh, number seven, I've gone with Worthfield. Um, they've lost Ben Parker, a uh, big, big player for them. Um, they've also lost Ryan Quiney as well to Quat uh, across, you know, two miles down the road. Uh, with Ben Hudson as well coming in from, I think, where did he come from, Hill? Ben Hudson? Wombourne. Wombourne, okay. Um, so, you know, they're, they're a strong side. They're always strong. And seventh does not sound good for them. But, again, just looking at the other teams around them, I, I just, you know, I, I can't see them being any higher, really. Um, number six, I've gone for Shrewsbury. Signing Luke Thornton was massive. James Boyger gone there as a coach, uh, coach slash player. You know, I think, they're a good side, and when their first team are strong, their second team are stronger. Um, also, you know, I think they give their young lads a chance in the first team last season with the regionalised groups. I think these young lads, after a year's experience, will be fighting at the bit this season, and it'll be a very strong side. Number five, I've gone with Sentinel, my uh, former club. Um, you know, great, great side, great bunch of lads. Uh, they've lost a lot of players, but they have great depth and spirit in their side. Um, they've signed a pro, Kyle Klein, sorry, Klein. Um, you not. And, and to be to be honest, after a few a few times they've had uh, an overseas over, and uh, and they haven't quite fired. So he really needs to fire this season. They've also got James Shaw who's come in, who's former clubs of Rockster and uh, Schiffnell. Uh, prove he's got some great experience, and he's been playing in Oxford. So you know, hopefully James Shaw can come in and bolster the batting lineup. Uh, number four, I've gone for Wellington. Actually, last year's winners of the. Uh, of the Shropshire Prem. Um, I, I just don't think this season, the competitive season, they're quite going to be as high as they were last season. I'm not saying over, they overachieved. They did very well. They played very well. Uh, they've got a great leader in Wendell. And, you know, I think it will prove a tougher season this season. Uh, number three, I've gone with Maidley Cricket Club. Uh, they've got a, an overseas. They always have a good, decent overseas. Uh, they've got Kelvin Rob, uh, Rogers assigned for them and James Ralph, uh, a good friend of the podcast. Uh, I think they're a real strong side, but I think their experience uh, will, will stand them in good stead for the season. Um, so I can see them doing very well, and I, I'm sure they'll push. Uh, number two, I've gone for Whitchurch. I've heard they've had a big signing of uh, Ryan Brown, uh, apparently a very, very good player, highly rated by a lot of Birmingham <laughs> League players. Uh, they're a very ambitious club, uh, and they've got a real good squad. So uh, I, I think uh, Whitchurch will be up there again, and, and they'll push all the way as well. Uh, number one, I've gone for Quat Cricket Club. I, I just think, you know, they, they've pushed for years and years and years. It just hasn't quite happened for them. And I just have a funny feeling this season uh, they'll prove yet again they're, they're a strong side and, and I think they'll do it. They've got a good overseas in uh, Conrath Merring. Um, and they've also signed Tom Whitney back. I think he played there before uh, and he's a very good signing. So, yeah, it's going to be a very exciting league. Um, I, I've got to apologise to Ludlow and Frankton for not putting them in the top ten. Uh, but I, I do think Ludlow, unfortunately, seem to every time they produce a player, they seem to step up a level. Um, and I think they're in a rebuilding process. And Frankton, although they, they do well when they have a good overseas, I just think they're they're a good side uh, with with a, two or three very good players. But they're just a group a group of mates that enjoy playing together. And I don't think they're they don't really warm up enough. Up enough. No, no, no I, I think they're just they just. 
up for it. I, th- I think they they enjoy the cricket. They enjoy more of a social side of the game. So uh, I expect them to to be the, the two that might struggle. Yeah. So thank you guys for giving your top tens. All of the guys around the Zoom researched this and looked into it and created their own top tens. Feel free to let us know what you think about them and where you think these teams will go. Obviously, these hierarchies will change throughout the year and we will be looking to modify them as situations change, as the season proceeds, and we will be trying to keep this as a rolling feature. So let's hope that your team moves up the table or if you're at the top end, that you don't, that you stay where you are. Anyway, moving away from that because I'm pretty sure we could chat about each other's choices all night long. Let's move on to our next section and we're going to be answering the questions from you, the listeners. So we asked you, the listeners, to set the lads some questions over Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and here's what you came up with. So first of all, we're going to start with longtime listener, Alex Biddle of Quat Cricket Club. Hopefully we've got the pronunciations correct for you tonight, Alex. So first of all, what are the biggest rivalries in Shropshire cricket and who has got the upper hand in each one at the moment? And we'll start with Andy. Andy, what do you think are some of the biggest rivalries I'd, I'd in Shropshire? Probably say, well, I'd, I'd probably say um, the team that Alex plays for, uh, and Warfield. Um, there's always, uh, you know, friendships there, but when they're on the pitch, I reckon it's pretty feisty. So, uh, you know, I'd have thought theirs is a, a, a big rivalry. And who would you say has got the upper hand at the moment? Uh, well, after last season, Quat, but I, I bet Warfield really don't like that. So, uh, yeah, it'd be interesting this season. Jay? Oh, I'm going to say Sentinel and Shelton. I know they perhaps haven't played each other too often in the last few seasons. But particularly when I was growing up, it was always sort of, um, you know, the pride of Shrewsbury. Um, and after both winning one game against each other last season, uh, it'd be interesting to see how it goes this season. Jossa? Um, I'd probably say Wem and Whitchurch. Just geographically, they're um, quite close and, you know, play a similar standard. Um, I've obviously never played against their first teams or not for a long time because they're far better than I am. Um, but I can imagine they have some quite feisty encounters. And at the moment, I'd say, I don't know, who's got the upper hand? Probably Wem. They seem mm. to be on the up. And pop. Although they have recruited quite badly in the winter. Wait, wait a minute, Joss. What about, what about um, Newtown and Chirk? Aren't they a local derby? Oh, no. <laughs> I'm moving the distance right now. I was waiting. <laughs> I was waiting for that. Welsh derby, guys. No, it doesn't say Welsh derby. Closed. I was going to bring that up, but no way. I was going to say... Aubrey... miles between Chirk and Newtown. 34. 34.2. Real wow. local derby, that. Wow. I was going to say Alberbury have got a couple local derbies. I mean, they've got a friendly, we've got a couple friendly local derbies, but I don't, know, I don't think you could call them rivalries, really. You've got knocking and you've got Ponsbury, two games that neither, neither teams want to lose, especially. I think looking, you're looking through these, these top divisions and I mean, is is any game with Shrewsbury for any team 
who, who are well, based in Shrewsbury rivalry. You could, argue, you could argue that next year, Sentinel could could be a bit of a rivalry mm. thing. You don't know. You know, I don't know how that's going to pan out. Mm. What next year? When Sentinel go down? Is that what you're implying? Well, no. They didn't necessarily have to be playing each other, did they? <laughs> Although they will be, they will be in Div 2. Yeah. You're right, Josh. You are right. They are each other. I don't think there'll be any animosity between them, though. Andy, why are you turning your nose at Sentinel? Not recent times, but it used to be, and they can rekindle it now. It's a level playing they're field best, now. They're all best mates now, aren't they? Yeah. It's not an aggressive rivalry like Quat Werfield, but it's a rivalry. I think I think yeah. if we were okay. think I think if we were to sit down here and say which is the oh. biggest rivalry in Shropshire cricket, I think well, I, I speak for myself, but I think Quat Werfield's got to be the one, has it not? And it is in, isn't Bridgenorth in that mix as well, Andy? What's that? Isn't Bridgenorth in? Isn't it Quat and Bridgenorth? Yeah, but Bridgenorth for a league above, it, it's hard when when they're not in the same league. There's no rivalry, is there? They've got to be. Uh, they've, got, be they've got to be playing each other regularly. Yeah. What what yeah, makes a? I think to make a rivalry, you've got to be in the same. You've got to be against each other quite often. Got to be in quite close proximity and have enough. Of, Friends, but enough of a rivalry against you. Okay, moving on to the next question from Mr. Joe Yap. Should clubs look to improve facilities by transforming current tea rooms, kitchens into larger changing rooms slash lounge areas, etc.? That's a great point. Um, I think uh, I think yeah, it's a really good point, actually. I think a lot of clubs could easily do that. Um, the only thing is, I mean, a few places like Sentinel, I played for last year, um, the tea rooms are really just, just your bar. Um, so a lot of clubs would struggle with that, but I agree where they can be done. Why not? Why not? It'd be nice to have bigger changing rooms. I mean, playing at Kund all them years, we've got massive changing rooms, but the tea room's tiny, so I don't even, I don't even think you could, uh, could have a changing room in there. It's an interesting point, because the tea room's going to be defunct, aren't they? And it's, yeah. it's, it's going to be interesting in the next couple of years. Of it's not official, is it? Sorry? It's going to be interesting in the next couple of years to see if if teas continue to be well non-existent. Then I think that's the only way it's going to go, isn't it? Because I mean, well, you... from my own perspective at Albury, you know, we've got we've got a huge tea area and a big kitchen. And if you're not doing teas, then that's a lot of space that you could use for something else. Yeah, so I think I think Josh, you... when you talk. When you talk about Alderbury, Joss, like obviously you haven't really got a bar, have you? So no. it's sort of it's sort of wasted space, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but we, as as but we're not allowed indoors anyway, so you have to get changed outside anyway. Yeah, but but in three three years time, whatever, you will be allowed indoors, but we won't be doing teas. I think. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I don't know. I think. Oh, I don't know. No. Well, none of us do. <laughs> it's my guess, but yeah. I suppose. I suppose I do think teas are completely, are completely sort of banished, if you like. Okay, um, Chris, Chris Starling says, has Club Mark had a positive effect on Shropshire cricket or has it stretched smaller clubs with a vision for the future? Joss. I have quite a lot of dealings with Club Mark as a welfare officer at Albury. Um, I, I don't want to speak too ill of it because I know it needs to be there. It's a lot of work. It's an awful lot of work. Um, and I do fear for smaller clubs because I, th- I think you could end up with a scenario where you just, they just 
merge with a bigger club to save themselves the hassle of doing all the paperwork. If they can't find someone to do it, you know, they might join one of the teams that's got four or five clubs that have got someone that's responsible for that club mark stuff. Because um, it, is, it is, honestly, it's, it's agonising, the stuff you have to, the hoops you have to go through. But I do appreciate it has to be done, but I'm not, I'm not a big fan of all the work that's involved. I'm sure there could be a simple way of doing it. Mm. Okay. Next one is from Ben Matthews. He said, what are the best slash worst slash most interesting reasons that you've ever heard for missing a game? It seems commitment and availability in amateur cricket has decreased over the years. Correct me if I'm wrong in parenthesis. So which reasons are more acceptable than others? And with that one, I will start with Joss again. I've got a good one. I don't know if you remember this, Andy. Acton Reynolds, Adam Harris, Bummer Harris, opening batsman, just didn't turn up for a game. I think it was against Ellesmere. And uh, Skip was frantically trying to get hold of him, couldn't. Finally got hold of him after the game. He said, oh, it was raining where I was, so I assumed it would be off. <laughs> went, went shopping with his missus instead. He didn't think that you'd be informed if the game was off. That's <laughs> old man. Brilliant. Good old Bummer. I can't think of an excuse, but I'm sure Nick Bevan has got a whole book of them. So maybe we should. <laughs> I tell you what, mid midweek, being captain of the midweek for Grasshoppers, we have such an amazing squad and we always get a good team out, but there is plenty of excuses. There really is. I mean, I've heard of people leave halfway through a game for concerts. I think one was... Um, and also. <laughs> I wasn't going to mention about, his name, but uh, <laughs> what, what about the Stevie? What about the Stevie Jarrett classic? When he oh my god! So played, played. St- yeah, so Steve Jarrett. He was when I was seventeen. So when I was 17, Stevie Jarrett, basically, he was my lift to the game. I, I was probably 16 or 17, and the, the first 11 were very, very short to the point where the, they just needed someone to do fine leg to fine leg. Anyway, Stevie... It must have been short of you playing. <laughs> exactly. I, I'd only played a few games at that point, so they didn't know who I was. Uh, but I, Stevie was my lift. Anyway, Stevie <laughs> drops me off at the ground. I, from what I remember, it was Flanidloy's. Uh, uh, and um, anyway, we get dropped off at the game and we are put into bat first. So Steve drops me off and he's like, right, guys, anyway, I've just got to go to the toilet. Anyway, a couple hours later, Stevie comes back. Like, All right, Steve, you're into bat next. He gets padded up, goes out, bats, comes back, bowls. Nothing said of it until the next day in the Shrewsbury Chronicle, Stevie is pictured uh, for Alberbury Cricket Club because we had a team photo. And on the same day, he was pictured for an 11s and a side football team who were playing just down the road. He dropped us <laughs> off, got and played the game of football, come back and finish the game of cricket. Absolutely outstanding from that, that guy. Is, that is a- absolutely heroic, that is. <laughs> that is brilliant. I nearly, I nearly didn't make it to a cricket match once because I got absolutely paralytic and decided to fall over. Every Saturday. Roll, yeah. <laughs> I, fe- I fell over, I-, I rolled down a hill, I hit a tree, shit myself. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it was uh, before we played Frankton. And uh, the next morning, I woke up in a really, really bad way um, with a couple of broken ribs, I think. And uh, James Harrop had to break into my house to wake me up. Awful Ouch. day. Ouch. 
<laughs> Anyone else for any more? I never made. Speaking of excuses, can we talk about my commitment to games? My first season at Beacon, I was unavailable for, for a game um, because I had a genuine football course in a coaching course in Birmingham, and on the Saturday, on, like throughout Saturday, and I, I got to uh, the Hawthorns, the West Bromwich Albion football ground, and just just took a just took a little left onto a little B road heading towards Birmingham FA headquarters, crashed my car, wrote it off about half 10, 11 a.m. Anyway, obviously, I couldn't make it to the course. Anyway, I got, uh, got a lift back to Shrewsbury. My parents came and picked me up. And on the way, I phoned Dave Howarth, our captain, and said, well, I'm available to play if, uh, if you want me to. Um, and I did. So an hour and a half after a uh, car crash, I was in the Beacon First Eleven playing against Chelton. And you can imagine... I bet they dropped a youngster to accommodate you, didn't they, Jamie? No, I think Carl Williams did uh, to accommodate at the time. So what, what, um, what, yes, happened, should... what happened to the commitment this season then, Jamie? What, what happened to you? You've, you've changed, I mean, obviously. I, I know, I, I think I played 7 out of 10. 7, 8 out of 10. You didn't play Shiffnall away. I played in more than a lot, in a lot other, more than... You didn't play against Shiffnall away. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. No, I heard you the first time. I played in a lot more games. <laughs> you can imagine the comments I got on that day at Shelton, whereas, uh, oh, you know, oh, this deck is a road. Can't you, you know, can't you drive on it? Things like that. Oh, absolute nightmare. Nightmare. Fantastic. So, moving on to the next one from Kieran Osborne. Before we get on to the final questions, which I think are pretty all much linked, Kieran Osborne says, "When do you think the county will modernise the game, bringing coloured kicks, white ball cricket, or even a T20 league?" Now, the first thing I will do is I'll ask you guys to answer this question. Then, once you've answered it. We've actually had the Shropshire Cricket Board get in contact with us um, because they saw that we asked for your questions and they've actually given us some answers um, in regards to what they're doing in regards to cricket to that. So anyway, guys, I would like to know your answers, please. We've got a T20 league, haven't we? I don't quite know what, what he's getting out of there. In a weekend, um, weekend, I think, more than anything. Oh, okay, sorry, sorry. Um, the coloured clothing, I, th I think we're getting there. Um, I know I was on the um, the Evening League committee for a few years 
and um, we we were certainly when I left, we were warming towards coloured clothing, and I think I think it's now acceptable if people want to. Mm. In, in the I evening, Joss, I don't think you can actually wear coloured kit, can you? Midweek, I don't I, I don't think that's in the rules, is it? It won't be long before you can. And they yeah, certainly well, allow it on uh, finals day. Yeah, as a, as a club, as grasshoppers, um, obviously Joe Joe Yaps actually got into uh, getting as a, a new coloured kit, uh, and we're looking to have a few Sunday friendlies. Um, you know, hopefully wearing our coloured kit as well, and maybe other teams wearing their coloured kit just just to get it in there because I think we're we're up for it. And I mean, obviously with the evening league, the midweek league, they did trial. Well, not trial, but the, the higher leagues. I think it was Division One and Two in the past. We we were asked to put discs out and change a few certain bits and bobs um, just just for the higher leagues. Um, and obviously now it's moved into the lower leagues as well, putting your discs out, having your mm. um, or what they called your power plays. So you know it would be nice actually if the top league could trial wearing a, a kit, a, a coloured kit for the season, and see how it, it progresses. Mm. And if it works, maybe bring it into the lower leagues and, and bring it in in the future. I think it'd definitely be a good thing, especially when we talk about the evening leagues, because it's all about getting people involved in that. I know everyone talks about T20 being the future, but evening league itself has struggled for availability, mainly because it's a week. But I mean, if you had that coloured kit and white balls, maybe, I think the only thing that holds white balls and coloured kit back is obviously funding and clubs being able to afford white balls and getting black sight screens really and also everyone buying extra kit to have the colored clothing i think if anyone's gonna be going towards colored clothing and white balls is going to be the prem soon because the birmingham leagues moved to that basically from next year it's going to be white ball colored clothing from there on in so i mean in regards to saturdays i think that's where it would be and moving forward i think if they do go for colored clothing and white balls i think it would be see what the Prem does. And then after that, it would have to be, I think you'd have to do it throughout all the leagues or if not just Div 1 and the Prem. But then again, you're forcing clubs who have got teams who are in those divisions but other div- and other divisions to have multiple options for red ball and white ball, which I guess is the hard thing. From the Shropshire Cricket Board, they said there are, their stance on it, they sent us a message saying there are a number of offers of the shorter format in the county. The the Shrewsbury and District Evening League have been running since 1978. There's the Warfield 100 competition. A number of local T20 comps have also run in the past. And the league have their slam competitions. We have been asked to consider organising a shorter format competition. Is there room for another one? Question. If so, when and what should it look like? How would you fit it into the calendar? With regards to a Sunday T20 comp, something would probably need to give from the existing calendar of events as there are Shropshire League fixtures on a Sunday and frequent junior league and women's and girls matches and tournaments. So what's everyone's thoughts having heard that and also the original comments from everyone else? We'll start with Jay. Um, the short answer is... Um... I think the only competition you could use it with would be the senior slam. I don't think it's going to come. I don't think any color clothing is going to come into um, division two and below. I don't see that 
ever happening, to be honest. I think they'll stick with whites, the traditionalists. Um, I think there is definitely scope with it for the Premier Division. And I also think there is potential for Division One. But I, I think I think the senior slam in particular is is where you could really start it. I don't think there's any way you can fit a new tournament in. Um, I think you've got the, the senior and junior slam. I think you've got the midweek. Obviously, Saturdays are taken. A lot of us play Sundays as well. Um, I don't see any room on the calendar for a new tournament. I think if you wanted something like that, I think you'd have to change one. I think it would be the slam. I think mm. the senior slam would be the one to change. I think if you were to do that, if the league was to move to 10 team divisions, which you could see happening, that's where you would possibly see the position where you could have that extra league moving forward. A bit like what they have in the county game, where they have the county championship that plays for a certain time, then the T20 season that plays for a bit, the 50 season, you know, that that kind of element to it may be. What are your thoughts on this, uh, Andy? And then we'll finish off with Joss. Yeah, I quite, I quite like the short format of the game. And like, like you just said, that you made a really good point. If, if the league was reduced, maybe at the back end of the season or in the middle of the season, you could quite easily have a few T20 games. I mean, it's nothing to say that, uh, you know, after COVID, four teams couldn't play at one venue on one weekend. It, you know, you could fit three, three or four T20s in a day. Um, but when you're talking about, I mean, obviously, Kieran's point, obviously trying to find a T20 league, obviously with having the normal midweek league, the evening league, um, I, I think that's, that's an offer. Really. I think Sundays, obviously, we have the senior and junior slam, um, which I've got to say, early rounds, every team struggles to get a team out. When you get to the finals day, everyone you know, seems to have a full strength side. But up until then, you struggle to get the players out. It's a Sunday after players are played on a, a Saturday. Not everyone wants to play Sunday cricket. I mean, we, us mm. lads, us four, we all, we all play quite a lot of Sunday cricket and we enjoy it. It's great fun. But would we really want to play competitive cricket, you know, a lot of Sundays? I don't think I would. I think, I think the key thing you've got to ask yourself is, would you trade in your day of 40 to 50 over cricket for 20 over cricket? And I don't think I would. But again, that's no, someone who's... Well, I was about to say pushing 30. I'm pushing towards 40 now. <laughs> well, I've gone past 30 is the main thing. but it's, And I still wouldn't. But maybe that makes me out of touch. But I'd still want to play a full day. Josh is pushing towards cricket. 60. <laughs> James, Josh. James, I think... It, Sorry, yeah, go for I it. And then we'll to, go for Joss. James, I think if you um reduced the leagues, sorry, the divisions to 10 teams, that would free up... Well, let's say that would free up four four weekends, wouldn't it? Mm. Uh, what sort of tournament were you looking to host then? You know, how many how many teams? I don't think you could. I don't think can you do much in. I suppose you could play twice a day, like, but mm. I'm not sure you could have a proper tournament in just three or four weekends. So I, you know, I it's don't know. one of those, uh, isn't it? You could I, you I, could you could look at it. I mean, you could look at possibly a Saturday or a Sunday, or you could possibly move the season a week earlier and a week later, maybe. I. I I mean, if they wanted to do it, I'm sure they could crowbar it in that way. But, Joss, I'm interested to hear what you think, because obviously a seasoned veteran at the, of the Shropshire League. No, but I absolutely agree with everything that Jamie and Andy have said, really. Um, you know, I try and play as much as cricket as I can, but I'm not getting any younger. And, you know, I'll play mid, midweek, I'll play in the evening league, I'll play Saturday, I'll play Sunday. Uh, that's three times a week. That's enough for me. Um 
And like Andy but says, that's... quite often teams, especially in the early rounds, struggle to get teams out for the senior slam. And Jamie did mention that might be the competition that needs to be changed if you're going to accommodate another one. And I absolutely agree with that. No disrespect to the senior slam or to the league that, that organise it, but it um, it doesn't, to me, quite have the appeal that it should. Mm. And I don't know why, and I haven't got a better suggestion, which is why I'm reluctant to say it. I just think someone needs to look at it. And and as I say, playing playing three times a week, sometimes four, is is enough. And I was just going to say what Jamie said in his last comment about where are you going to fit another competition in? Because if you've only got four weekends or whatever, mm. it's, it's not going to be much for competition, is it, really? I think we play enough cricket. Yeah, totally understand, Joss. Jamie? Uh, yeah, no, I just think about the, the senior slam. I think it's... Um a competition that sort of it gets more exciting the further you get in it. So a bit like sort of like the football league trophy or the Papa John's trophy, as they call it at the moment, you know, the further you get the closest to Wembley or the closest to finals day you become, the more exciting it gets. You know, when, when we got to the finals day with Beacon in 2017, um, you know, we played Welsh pool, Shelton and sort of the early rounds and we weren't sort of that bothered initially but when we, we beat them and then we beat Newtown and we got to finals I think it just gets more exciting um, the, the further you get but you're right I think early on people aren't bothered but was that when you had a play- was that when you had a thousand seat a bus <laughs> yeah 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 it was yeah we took a 55 seat a coach for, for I think only 10 players but, um, <laughs> I think I think it's right though I think it gets more exciting when you can see sort of finals day within within touching distance, particularly for Division One clubs, one or two Premier League clubs will will go for it from round one. But I think for the other clubs, I think it gets better. And, and I think because there's there's so many teams that know they they are not going to win it, which is why it's hard yeah. to muster up enthusiasm in the early stages. It would it would be interesting to have like divisional competition or or do, what do, what do we think or do we think we should keep it as I don't. It's one of those where I think it could be a podcast in itself talking about the senior slam because I totally understand where Joss is coming from as being a member of a... I never play any of the senior slam games because they're generally Thursday nights and I'm busy on a Thursday night. And also, even if I was available on a Thursday night, I wouldn't get selected. Um, but, but yeah, I definitely you know... Would, that- you would, Hurley. They struggle to get 11. But they might go with ten. They might go with ten. <laughs> they, I think I think they go with ten rather than field me. But um, no, it definitely knowing from a club that is never really going to get out the first two rounds. It is quite a demoralising thing, and it's just a thing that happens really more than anything. And it, it possibly is something that needs to be looked at. Should senior slam be on a weekend again? Something that we could talk about at another time. Anyway, I'm keen to move on to the final group of questions because I think we could talk about this quite a bit now we had quite a few questions I will reel them off all at once and then I will ask you guys all together so basically the first set of questions the first question was asked by Sam Whitney and Matt Hartshorn who had the same question which was should the Shropshire County Cricket League implement a salary cap the second one which was from John Dopper said the money in the Shropshire County Cricket League and the impact this could have on the league long term. The bigger clubs are growing and the smaller village clubs are becoming non-existent. He wanted to ask about that. Liam O'Neill and Adam Vanner wanted to ask, 
where is all this money coming from? Local council or Sport England grants, etc.? If so, do you think it's a bad thing that schemes to help clubs stay afloat are being used for transfers? Chris Starling has then said something which is similar, where he said, should clubs who receive grants pay players no matter where the wages are raised? So basically, if a club receives a grant, even though they're getting the money in for a player, say, through the bar takings, should you know, should they be playing players anyway? Then Richard Barge, with the final one, would like to say, I would like you to discuss why player transfers are actually a bad idea for local cricket. The turnover of players between the clubs has a destabilizing effect on clubs. Is there anything the league could do? Should the league limit the number of players that have played for another Shropshire League club in the previous season? that can be transferred into any club in a 12-month window. So, we'll start with the first one, is in should the Shropshire County Cricket League implement a salary cap? Basically, I think the main thing at the moment, the hot topic is how much money is flying around in Shropshire Cricket, especially given the amount, like we said earlier, donation, clubs asking for donations. Not necessarily that the clubs who are spending the money are the ones asking for donations, but... It's, it's what people are thinking at the moment. And whoever wants to start this up, I see a lot of shaking heads on Zoom. So this is going to be interesting. Who wants to start? I'll start Joss. if you want. Um, oh, go on, Joss. But for me, um, paying players is each club's individual choice. Um, I, I don't think anyone can, can police that or can lay down rules on that. I think it's entirely up to them. And depends how ambitious they are what they're aiming for, you know, if, if they want to go up to the Birmingham League, they'll need to pay players to, to get up there to get decent professional players. Um, it's an interesting discussion around the, um, if they're getting a grant, should they be allowed to pay players? I, I don't know where I sit on that. I, I'm not a fan of paying players, but I'm never going to play a standard that gets involved with that, really, I don't I think so. Anyway, just on on the the first question there, um, which seems a lifetime ago, by the way, um, I don't think you can, you can manage. I don't think you can manage salary caps because I think a lot of this cash is is brown envelopes, isn't it? I doubt very much half of it goes through the books. So I, I think it's impossible to bring a salary cap in with regards to the grants. Again, I think I think clubs could easily fiddle their books. I really do. I don't think there's any proof of where it really comes from. Um, so I think it's difficult to manage. I think it's difficult for sort of club hierarchy to manage. Never mind the league. That's that's my take on it. Anyway, I, I think it's impossible to manage. I think I think it's I think it's I think it's off the books half of it, off the record. Yeah. I I completely agree with the first point from Joss that it, it's every club's given right if they want to pay players, they can pay players. Um, that last point was the one that I, I didn't quite understand. James was it. The, the transfers between clubs. I think, what, I, think basic, I think basically what he's trying to say is if a player's moved from another club, moving to another one, and just in general, kind of how we can regulate the amount of club. I think one of the things that was brought up was the amount of young players moving from other clubs who have been, who've kind of brought them up and then they're moving on to other clubs with... Um, I think there's a lot of oh. lower league. I think because the main the main thing that we're trying to bring up here is that there are a lot of lower league clubs who are having their nose put out of joint by bigger clubs swooping in after they 
what lower league clubs see that they've done a lot of the hard work and they're coming to finish it off to an extent, which I think if you're a player, you want to move to that bigger club to challenge yourself and to get that extra coaching. But obviously yeah. you can, you can understand where these lower league clubs who have taken them yeah. this far feel if that makes sense. Andy. Yeah. I, I can understand the frustration with clubs, but the progression of a cricketer, um, I can understand when they, if they're moving sideways, side to side. But as long as players are progressing, I, I can't see the issue. The, the appeal to, to play for bigger clubs is there. Um, obviously, you know, if there's money flying around and players are chopping and changing clubs left and centre, I can see the, the problem there. Um, but it, it's like saying, well, I should stay at Sentinel because, you know, because, you know mm. leaving Sentinel will leave them without an extra player. Well, I've gone to play a higher level. I've gone to test myself and, you know, mm. I've got my own right to do what I want and do what I want to do and go and play whatever level I want to. I, I don't see the issue there. Um, the only thing I would say that I, I agree with, it, the grant situation with clubs getting grants, I really, really hope that clubs are not using grants because I would absolutely appall the clubs are doing that. I think money that you get from a grant should go towards facilities uh, and, and some clubs in the county, I'm not going to name any because it's not fair, but the facilities are awful at certain clubs and junior sectors in some clubs are non-existent and I just hope that every penny that they get mm. in goes towards what they need to do and facilities and not players and, that, and that's one thing I would you know, reiterate and I'd stand by that. That's wrong. I think, I think the two big topics we've got here is are these, are these destabilizing clubs and also in regards to where this grant money is going. The one thing I would say is obviously something that we do bring up quite a lot is clubs who spend this money and who are very active in transfers, but don't put the investment into their youth and then sign a load of players, but then and then go as far as they can, and then as soon as they lose those players, drop down the leagues. And I think that's another element to it about do sometimes play teams who re rely on recruitment too much have that dangerous element where they could lose the players just as easily as they recruited them. Um, a lot, a lot of these clubs, I would say that, that probably have money. Um, if, if they have a bar and, and they get a take from the bar, that is their money to spend on what they, they please. And it is, I, I do understand what you mean with, with a lot of players. They get up to a certain level and then if the players all left, you know, they'd be stuck and they'd come, you know, flying back down the leagues. But, uh, you know, I, I'm with Joss. I, I, I believe in cricket. It's, it's hard, really. Money flying around. I mean, when I was a young kid, money flying around. Obviously, I don't know if clubs played overseas or anything like that. But um, I think if a club has true ambitions to go up a lot higher, um, you know, I could see why they do it. Um, I, I can definitely see why overseas get, get paid. Um, they come in, they coach the kids, hopefully. Uh, I do remember a great example was Manny Singh, who came into Warfield, uh, Warfield sorry, and, uh, and, and did absolutely amazing job with with the junior section he was such a lovely humble bloke um but he was a great cricketer and exactly what they needed you know they wanted to get up into Birmingham they had aspirations to go up to that league and I do know from my experience at Sentinel if we'd have had an overseas the season we went up to the Birmingham league we would have still been in the Birmingham league so mm. there's pros and cons to it all um but yeah it's it's a it's a tricky situation to talk about I know there's a lot of people there's a lot of haters that don't like players getting paid mm. 
Jay? My views on the transfers, I mean, I agree with, with everything Andy said there. Um, even a player making a sideways move, um, money or no money, um, is, is the player's choice and it's their, it's their right to make that choice. Um, but I think it happens in all walks of life, you know, players move on. Um, in sports, in, in, in work, you know, outside of sport. You know, I learned my trade window making at Martindale's Windows. If Universal around the corner offer me, you know, double my money, then why can't I consider it? You know what I mean? I think it happens family, in all walks of life. Family company though, Jay. Yeah, well, yeah. Have you met my family? Um, <laughs> but I, un- I, understand, I understand that, you know, it's, um, it's frustrating, but, but it is what it is. You know, it is what it is. Players want to progress themselves. And if they can earn a bit of money whilst, whilst ultimately playing their hobby, then I don't really blame them. Why wouldn't, you? Why wouldn't you? Absolutely, yeah. When, yeah. when you talk about Jamie, you're absolutely spot on with that. Um, and, and like, when you're a kid, if you're, I mean, I, I was at Shrewsbury Cricket Club as a junior. And unfortunately, I never got the opportunity to play senior cricket. Um, so I moved to Acton Reynolds and I thought it was the right move at the time. I went to, a, 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 you know, no disrespect to Acton Reynolds, a village club to get me started playing senior cricket. It was the best move I could have ever made. But I could have so easily have stayed at Shrewsbury, gone through the system and taken a long time to get the chance. But I was having great coaching there. When I went to Reynolds, I had no coaching. It was more, you're in the game. So I can see the, yeah. appeal, from, I can see the appeal from the other side playing Acton Reynolds as a junior and going, oh, wow, look at Bridge North, look at Wellington, look at Shrewsbury, look at their coaching, look at the facilities. It's, you know, it, it's there. And unfortunately, the, the village clubs have got no legs to stand on. And, mm. and, and that's just the way it is. And it's like that in football. It's like that in every sport. But yeah, I agree. But the, the best way for these village clubs to survive, and we've spoken about it in the past, is having the youth system. Keep producing these younger players. Keep bringing them through. You know, and you will lose them, yeah. But it's the way it is. Look, Dan Walker has left Ponsbury and has joined uh, Shelton. Um, it's just the way it is. He, he sees it as a step up. Probably is a step up if he plays in the first team. Or eventually in the next maybe year or two, he's a regular in the first team. It's just how it is. Ponsbury will need to produce somebody else. And that happens in all the divisions. And all walks of life. Not just, not just village cricket. Mm. So, it, yeah, it is frustrating, but, you know, it, it's, it's, the way, it's the way the world is, I believe, anyway. I agree with you. I think what, what happens is a player may not flourish at the certain club that they're at, and they may see that another club may have their best interest at heart, may get the better out of them, may make them into a better player in the circumstances that they have around them, like the coaching or just even maybe an ethos around the captain. Yeah. It may not be just the training gets the better out of them, or maybe they move or something like that. There's more than just money behind these things. I think what we've got to look at is not necessarily looking at this being bigger clubs versus smaller clubs, but maybe the smaller clubs without being harsh need to create an ethos that makes people want to play for them. Maybe they need to start something that makes them, if you're losing players, make something that makes it desirable for you to play. Maybe you create an aura about yourself that you play youngsters, you give youngsters the chance. Maybe you are like, you know, like the Southampton where they, they get players to a certain standard so then they can move on, make the, it, you know, you make keep- the social element of it. You know, you get a social element, you, in, you improve players, things like that. Not necessarily just the, there's lots of reasons behind a transfer, I would say. What 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 do you think, uh, Andy? Um, yeah, yeah, completely agree with your point there. Um, 
clubs do have to make themselves, I mean, social side of things as well. Some clubs aren't quite as social as others. Some clubs like Wellington, take for example, have five or six teams, five or six tiers where the youth come through. And, you know, it, it, it's, it's a well-run, well-drilled club. Uh, and, and that's what appeals to these youngsters, really. Uh, but one thing I just wanted to bring up before, which I didn't bring up, was um, I do remember in the past, and I won't mention clubs, but there was a club I know that used to pay players on performance. So they used to pay the runs. So if you scored a 50, you get money. You pay £100, you get money. You take a couple of weeks, you get money. Um, and there's, there's some, sometimes I, I do feel that players just themselves and it doesn't work and you don't become a team. Mm. So that's another con when it comes to paying players. Something I brought up on the something I brought up on another podcast is you brought about a hobby and things like this. But as soon as you get pay, being paid, surely it doesn't become a hobby anymore. And so surely you become under pressure every week to be the main player in the side and to score the runs. I know it's not necessarily well known that certain players getting paid inside each dressing room, but surely there's a different dynamic to it that you you've, you may have gone from being someone who isn't paid at a certain other club to being paid at another club. And maybe that brings its other, its other pressures, Andy. There's, there's one fact here, right? Pearl, if they were paying you per run, there'd be a fucking rich club. <laughs> if he got fined per drop catch, they'd be even richer. Oh, they'd be loaded. <laughs> so yeah, I think we've I think we've spoken about that enough, really. Now, and I think we've basically come to the conclusion that it'd be very hard to police any kind of payment because clubs who earn money are going to pay it. And I think we've got to also look at it at a point where clubs who see themselves as smaller clubs have got to find that niche. They've got to find the reason for club players to want to come and play for them. But also look at what the other clubs are doing. What are they doing that you can offer and make a conscious decision to start doing that, whether that's training, whether that's warming up, whether that's just literally doing getting these elite level standards and trying to get it through your clubs, making it more desirable, but also playing youngsters, give them the go. And I think, I think that's something that we'd like to say, wouldn't it, Jay? Yeah. I mean, I mentioned on the previous podcast of why I've joined Shelton and the environment, the culture looks absolutely fantastic now. And that's not to say it isn't a beacon because it is, it's great. I loved it. But the Shelton culture and environment now compared to six years ago when I left is obviously, there's a massive, massive difference. And seeing it now from the outside mainly makes me want to to go and um, go back go back to it basically, uh, and and unfortunately I'm not being paid. And it's on your doorstep. Yeah. Now we've been talking about players moving clubs, and I think it's only right that we now move on to our next section. Mister Loyal or Joss to you and me has compiled an eleven of the worst offenders of club offers. Here we go, Joss Elliott. Yes. With Club Opera 11. Here we go. Thanks, Ellie. Um, So, yeah, before I start, I just, there's no offence meant by any of this. I've, I've just, I've compiled it because I've been introduced to Mr. Club Hopper for, since the podcast began until today. And in truth, in the Shropshire League, I've had three clubs since 1989, which is two moves in... <laughs> 31 years, which to me isn't, isn't that much of a 
club hopper. So I was looking around at people on the circuit that have perhaps been less loyal than myself. And I do appreciate that people move for various reasons. It might be political, might be geographical, might be financial. I moved to Roxton for financial reasons. You weren't paid at Roxton, were you? No. No, the teas were cheaper. But... Um... <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, anyway, sorry. So here's my... Um... <laughs> so, here's my 11. Uh, in no particular order either, because um, basically they're all batsmen, apart from one fat twat at the end. Um, no price for that my book. As I say, in no particular order. Number one, Matt Hartshorn, who allegedly Mr. Loyal at Ponsbury, moved to Albury for half a season, then went back to Ponsbury, and has now moved to Kund. So that's three moves in a couple of years. Number two, Steve Gray. Been at Locking for many, many years. Went to Frankton, couldn't handle the ball swinging. Went back to Locking, then went to uh, Sentinel. Three clubs in a couple of years. Number three, Joe Yap. Uh, I believe Sussex Wellington went to Kai Glass, been at Kund, Sentinel, and now back at Kund. There may have been a couple of others as well. That's five clubs in, in a few years. Number four, John Ashton, who I believe was at Shawbury, who folded, moved to Hamwood, who folded. <laughs> There's a theme. <laughs> went to Acton Reynolds. Went to Pontsbury and is now at Sentinel. And also a very, very good umpire. Uh, number five, Dave Laird is at number five, who's done Newtown to Sentinel, to Newtown, Bridge North, Sentinel, Oswestry, I believe. So good hopping from Dave. Uh, number six is Craig Heath, Zimmer, who I believe has done Kund, um, Sentinel, uh, now gone on to Wem, but I believe in his spare time he also played for Bath Hospitals and Red Marley, admittedly outside of the Shropshire League, but, um, but nevertheless, good, hop, good hopping from Craig. Uh, number seven, probably the most prolific hopper of the lot, is James Ralph, who's played for, sorry, just name the clubs he hasn't played for, probably a bit quicker. Um, He's played for, I believe, Quat, Kidderminster, Ludlow, Brosley, Schiffnell, Bridgenor, Maiden. Um, there may be others, I'm not sure, but I ran my pen ran out. <laughs> so, um, good, good hopping from James, anyway. Friend of the podcast. <laughs> Ex-friend of the podcast. Oh, Long-time listener. <laughs> Numbers eight and nine are bridged together, are put, put together because they're brothers. Bryn Simmons and Ian Simmons, because they, they've um, moved around a bit. Um, they, there may be others, but I know they've done Corvedale, they've done Ludlow, they've done Schiffnall, I think they've done Wherfield, um, possibly others, but good hopping from them. Number 10 is Yuri Pugh. I know he's a good friend of yours, Jamie, but Yuri has got recent form. It's all very recent as well. He was at Whittington. Uh Whittington, admittedly they folded, went to Beacon, moved on to Pontsbury for 
a seasonal, probably one season, then went to France. Yeah. Good hopping from Yuri. Number I'm back 11. to Beacon. Number 11, I had to put number 11, Mr. Andy Harrison, who started his career at Shrewsbury, went to Acton Reynolds, went to Shelton, went to Kund, went to Sentinel, went to Wem. Very good hopping, Andy. Well done. We can now see why I've changed, my name has been changed from Mr. Club Hopper to Mr. Loyal. Hey. Thank you, folks. And I'll, I'll illustrate again, no offence meant to anyone. It's just a bit of fun. <laughs> well done, Joss, for that fantastic 11. And someday we will eventually get round to hearing Jamie's much-coveted drinking 11, which has been much promised since he stopped doing podcasts about a year ago. Anyway, before we move on to that, we've got our next section. Here we go. Okay, so before we get on to transfer rumours and transfer news, which is what everyone really wants to hear about, each host is going to make one resolution and one prediction for 2021. So we'll start off with the man himself, the transfer king, Jamie Martindale. So my New Year's resolution is to attend all Cow Corner podcasts. My prediction is I won't attend all Cow Corner podcasts. <laughs> that was class. <laughs> oh, sorry for that, Jay. <laughs> Joss? All right, Joss, what Joss. is your resolution and prediction? Um, Resolution-wise, I'm struggling, really. Um, I'll probably... Per- pretty much. I'll, I'll probably... Um, do the scorers course, pay a bit more attention to scoring because I enjoy it and I think I'm quite good at it. My prediction is that food shops in and around Wem will see a boost this summer. <laughs> <laughs> Pubs too. <laughs> Andy? <laughs> well, cheers for that, Joss. Completely agree. Um, my resolution is to get fit and cut down on the drink. Oh, my prediction, off. my prediction is I'm going to get fucking sloshed only on the weekend, <laughs> <laughs> which is, is definitely going to happen. Oh dear! Oh, that's not too bad, mate. <laughs> uh, uh, my New Year's resolution is to is to try and learn how to field. I know, incredible. And my prediction is I won't. But um, my other prediction was going to be something uh, that was going to be cricket-related. And my prediction is that we are going to have a full season and we're not going to be regionalised this year. That's my prediction going into 2021 cricket style. Anyway, now we move away from... You're learning to field resolution... Is that just 21 or is it 21, 22 and 23? (laughs) As long as it takes. Anyway, we'll move away from that and we'll move on to the section everyone's actually been waiting for. Here we are. It's the transfer news. It's the moment you've been waiting for. Transfer news and transfer rumours with the man himself, the king of the transfers, Jamie Martindale. Come on, Jay.
Thanks, James. So, tonight's transfer rumours section. We have one, two, three, four, five new confirmed transfers from the last podcast. Um, Andy may have mentioned them earlier, so apologies if he did ruin any for you. Um, we start with arguably the biggest is a fellow called Ryan Brown, who has joined Whitchurch from Pelsall, a player who I featured for Worcestershire second team um, and has been playing regularly uh, for Pelsall and Himley in the Birmingham League for 10 seasons. So a very experienced player joining Whitchurch there, and that is sure to be a big, big signing for them. Um, Calvin Rogerson has left Brosley to join Maidley. A friend of yours, James, I understand. You've been uh, chatting to him in the last couple of days about his move. Well, he's one of, he's one of the big players from Brosley. I have to say these last two transfers are players who are going to, well, the, well, the first player is going to make a big impact in which it's, from what I've heard, he's someone who should be a big player in the Birmingham League, in the top leagues of the Birmingham League, and someone who, in theory, then should be a very, very good player in the Prem. He's going to make a massive difference to Whitchurch. In regards to Kelvin Rogerson, I think it's going to be a massive difference to Brosley. Uh, he was one of the few big players. They've got a couple big players who make a massive difference to that club. Him, Kieran Osborne, also got a young left armour who's absolutely fantastic. And I think the, the thing for them is going to be making sure that they look after him, young Dan, the left armour. I think him and Alfie from Brosley, they've got to make sure that they keep hold of these players. Otherwise, it could be a point where they've got promoted, but at what cost, really? I think Calvin will be looking to push it, push his way into the Maidley first eleven, and it'll be really interesting to see how he does and how much it'll affect Brosley, especially if the rumours are true about Kieran. But we'll talk about that in a minute, Jay. Yeah, um, and Sentinel. Two incomings at Sentinel, which is much needed and is fantastic news for Sentinel. I'm sure um, you, Andy, in particular, are very pleased with these two additions. Uh, they signed an overseas, a SEMA, a Dutch under-19 player, um, who's been most recently playing in Cape Town, um, called Kyle Klein. Um, Andy, have you heard anything from your Sentinel mates about Kyle Klein, uh, a player that looks like he might have replaced you? Um, have you heard much about him from your Sentinel, Sentinel mates? I haven't really heard a lot, but uh, obviously I've seen uh, the signing on social media and he looks a good prospect and I just hope he fires for him. Like I said earlier on, um, you know, I, I really do hope he does a, a, a good job for Sentinel and uh, hopefully he does better than me and uh, gets him up that, that table. It'd be great. And it's really good for the club. And the second uh, signing for Sentinel is James Shaw. Now, I'd, I don't remember him. I don't know whether you may have played against him in the past, Andy. I think you said he was at Roxeter. I played, or I think I played with his brother, Tom. I can't remember. Tom, who, yeah. Who, maybe against. I can't remember. It was years ago. Yeah, well, Tom, I know Tom. Um, Tom and James both play, played at Roxeter. Didn't they? And yeah. Tom was a Tom was a wicket keeper, and James was a a spinner and batsman. So um, obviously, uh, I think James is going to bring some good experience. I think he actually played for Ship, uh, and I think he played quite a lot. In, but I don't know what standard he's played in Oxford. But he's a good player, and he will fit in at um, Sentinel because he's a real nice lad. So it's a good sign. But, no, I think it's it's what they need, isn't it? They need a little bit of fresh blood with with recent departures, and looks like they've got two solid first eleven signings there. So. That looks encouraging for Sentinel, and I'm sure that they're, they're looking to perhaps get one or two more in if they can. 
Um, and the final confirmed signing we've got is um, down in Division 5, which is Sam Minter, who has left all Scott to join Column. So the Chris Scott connection there, um, playing a part, no doubt, in Sam moving to Column. Uh, so they're the only five confirmed deals I've got. Um, anything else, lads, confirmed? I haven't missed one, no? Not that I know of. I know that Roxeter have made a few signings, have they not, Joss? Well, I, I, well, Andy's probably a better place to say this, but I know they had a touring team played them, I think, um, back in the last year and got on well with them. I think, a few, I think they were from Sri Lanka and a few of them agreed to join the next year. Yeah, the, apparently there's um, a Sri Lankan link because obviously they played him in a tour game. John Harris got in their ears and they, they really enjoyed it and loved the club and loved the, um, the, the, the area they played in. So... I think they're going to play. And also they've got Church Aston apparently playing at Rockster this year, apparently on, on their pitch. So that will be, you know, two teams on a Saturday and hopefully a second team on a Sunday, hopefully. That's good. I'm, so we'll, I'm really pleased to see Rockster on the up. So we'll move on to the rumours. Now I've identified a handful that have been sent in on uh, the Cow Corner Instagram page. And if we take out all the rumours that the Quarton Warfield lab I'd send in with regards to their players swapping clubs every 10 minutes. Um, where will Kieran Osborne end up? Currently at Brosley, been linked with Maidley, St George's and Allscott. Again, something that I think is going to be big for Brosley. Made a handful of signings, didn't they? They, they put on Twitter. Um, I spoke to a few people from Brosley. Not sure how much that they're going to make a massive impact from what they've said to me. But... You know, still, these are big players and you've got to make sure that you keep hold of them, wouldn't you think, Joss? So, so yeah, it's, um, it's, to me, it's worrying times with Brosie. I mean, they, they had a big, um, I don't want to say fall from grace, but they, um, they fell on hard times a couple of seasons ago, didn't they? Mm. Were bumped down, bumped down a few divisions. And um, only a couple of seasons later, it's a bit worrying that um, they're leaking their best players already it's it's not not great for the club i hope i'm wrong um but yeah worrying really because kel i played against them a couple of times last year a couple two seasons ago i know kelvin and kieran were the the spine of the team really i think mm. I mean, they've got some good youngsters as you say but they got that yeah, yeah. With those two with those two it's, it's a huge loss so yeah you're right they have to keep hold of kieran definitely mm. So the, we have got the list of, um, of signings Brosley have made. And again, you know, I know you spoke to one or two people at Brosley. We're not quite sure if they're first team, second team, etc. But Stuart Beddo, Nick Archibald, Neil Hatton, Stuart Potts, Mark Bishop, Jamie Storer and Anthony Parker. I mean, is that the Anthony Parker? Do we know? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> Anthony Parker. Well, that's a good signing. Well, that's a result. That's a result, yeah. Um, but, you know, seven new faces, if they do lose a couple, yeah, of course, it's a massive blow. And, and again, you know, we don't know the standard of, of some of these players, but um, it's only going to bolster only going to bolster the club, isn't it? Just to have to have players on board. Yeah, um, yeah. so I wasn't aware they made that many signings. So, mm. yeah, it's, it's obviously not all bad. It's not all doom and doom. Yeah, my 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 link my, um, my my link to Brosley said that it depends the way the club wants to go. He's the 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 unknown person from the club said the club at the moment um, will have a very good social standard, so he thinks that they'll 
they'll do well at the bar um, with those lads being around the standard of a Division 4, Division 5 team. And he said, yeah, reinforce the fact that it'll be very good for bar takings. Um, so definitely lads who like to put them away. And um, yeah, it's more, he, the person who I spoke to said it's very important that they make sure that they give the young players a crack, um, like Dan and Alfie. And, you know, they're fantastic cricketers. So yeah, it is very important that they make sure they keep keep hold of these players. And yeah, obviously, Brosley, someone who's promote a team who's promoted in 2019, it'd be really sad if they don't build on what they did uh, and move forward. One final piece of transfer rumour that I also got in was um, a, one Jack Case potentially moving to Beacon. What are our thoughts on that move? No, I, I can confirm that that's more a case of Jack Case moving to the Beacon pub rather than yeah, Beacon. He, he has already moved to the Beacon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't think we can dis- disclose any more details about that, but I have heard that Jack Case could well be permanently moving to the Beacon pub. Fair enough. So, moving on from that, thank you very much, Jamie. We move on to our final section. So, once again, thank you very much for listening to episode 28 of the Cow Corner podcast. Make sure that you like, share and subscribe. We are really on the kind of move to get. make sure that you share the podcast. Share it in your WhatsApp group, share it on Facebook. Make sure you share it on Instagram. Get it around. Let's try and make sure that we grow this year and uh, share the love. Uh, we are on Facebook, Cow Corner Podcast, Twitter, Cow Corner, at Cow Corner Pod. We are on Instagram as well. Make sure you follow us on that. If you want to listen to us, you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcast, and SoundCloud. Again, Cow Corner Golf Day will be coming up as it when it does we will be having new stickers and new merch coming out for 2021 so you're if you are interested in those because we have sold out of everything else please keep your eye out for that and also next month we will be having another podcast where we'll get the guys around the table uh, to talk about the fixtures and the new rules that will be coming out that'll either be at the end of next month or start of march depending on when it happens we will definitely next month be starting Cow Corner Extra. Very much looking forward to that. Once again, thank you very much, everyone, for listening. Uh, I will let the guys say their final words to you guys as it is our two-year anniversary. So anything you'd like to say to our listeners, and we'll start with Joss. Where's my cake? Thank you for the support. Uh, really appreciate it. Um, you know, it means the world to me that so many people listen to this podcast. So thank you. Please continue to, to follow. Thanks very much. Okay. Yeah, Happy New Year to all our listeners. Um, and I'm just pleased to see a smile on Joss's face. Andy? Thank you for putting up with all the bullshit that comes out of our mouths. Um, <laughs> really, uh, really enjoyed the last couple of years, but fair play, we chat some shit. Um, well, just appreciate, appreciate appreciate you all listening, and uh, let's have a hopefully a great cricket season. If touch wood, we uh, we get back to normal. Yes, here's to a great 2021. Here's to a great season of cricket. Make sure you stay safe, everyone. Make sure if you do need to talk, you can get into our comments. Let us know, and we will more than happily help you out. And thank you very much for listening. As always. 
like share and subscribe this has been the cow corner podcast episode 28 thank you very much for your support and we'll see you on the next one good night Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 